and another special edition of Vintage on the Radio Northwest Network. I'm Brian Bushlack, and this weekend we come to you from sunny southern Oregon. Great to be back here as we celebrate Oregon Wine Month throughout the month of May. If you'd like to learn more and plan trips this month, visit OregonWineMonth.org. And what a treat it is to be back here in southern Oregon. There's so much happening down here. Of course, we mentioned the Oregon Wine Experience kickoff was a couple of weeks ago. We'll tell you much more about that right here throughout the summer. This weekend, though, we focus on what really is a very unique and distinct piece of Oregon countryside here in southern Oregon. And who better to talk to than our great friend Brad Neva, who's the executive director of Travel Southern Oregon. And before we talk wine in our next segment, Brad, I think what really the attraction is in southern Oregon is the natural beauty. And there's so much to do. And that's a big lure for southern Oregon, isn't it? It certainly is. I mean, we could be anywhere in the country, but thank God we live in one of the most beautiful places and that we have natural resources that just make people want to come here, be it Crater Lake and our beautiful rivers and our mountains and, of course, some great wine that seems to be growing very well here in this region. No doubt about it. In the past uh, 12, 13 years, we've had this program on the Radio Northwest Network, and I've had the opportunity to travel to Southern Oregon on many occasions. We've done so many shows down there and made so many friends. It's been Really cool to see the growth of the wine industry along with the travel, right? Yes, it is. I mean, I think one of the big things that we've always looked at is uh, people come to the region for, um, you know, Crater Lake and the Rogue River Rafting and Shakespeare Festival and the Brit Festival. But really, the wine has just been a complimentary product that's just really bolstered our whole tourism economy. And with so many of our products that, um, you know, natural resources or people coming to hike and bike and fish, um, the wine connoisseur is a different client. And we're so happy to welcome them. And being that we're right positioned perfectly between Portland and the Willamette Valley, and of course, Napa and Sonoma to the Southwest, Southern Oregon is just in an ideal place to have a great, great um, industry. Brad Neva joining us here on Vintage. He's the executive director of Travel Southern Oregon as we focus on Oregon Wine Month throughout the month of May here. And I want to set the scene for our listeners, wherever they may be, worldwide, on the podcast, or regionally. I don't want to assume that everybody's been to Southern Oregon as as we have, because this is such a diverse uh, territory in the state of Oregon, and I think that's what makes it unique. And so if you could kind of walk us and talk us through maybe the Umpqua, the Rogue, and really what sets them apart from other regions. Yeah, absolutely. So we always think of Southern Oregon is whatever South of Eugene, that would be what we would classify. So <laughs> we have some great growing regions. Of course, the Umpqua Valley and the home of the Umpqua River is, is one of our great growing regions. As you work your way farther South out of Roseburg, uh, you come down into more of the Grants Pass area and just a little off of I-5 to the West is a fantastic valley there called the Applegate Valley. And we've got some fantastic wines being grown in that area. Really truly feels like wine country as well as you kind of meander your way down through that region. Of course, um, all the way down into the Ashland area, uh, we have a booming um, growing region there as well. Though, of course, the Rogue Valley has been known for, you know, pears and peaches and apples for the last hundred years. And so it's just interesting to watch these transitions from some of these old orchards now being shifted over into this into wine. And then also just don't forget there's a, a we call the upper rogue as well as the lower rogue. And so the upper rogue, um, probably the most uh, popular winery or the one that you see right next to I-5 is Del Rio. And that is uh, of course uh, kind of gateway into the what we call the upper rogue on your way up to Crater Lake. There's some great growing regions in there as well. So pretty unique five little growing regions and um, 
we're seeing new wineries opening daily, uh, almost, well, I shouldn't say daily, but monthly we're seeing new wineries. And um, I think people always forget, I mean, the Oregon wine story for so long has been based in the Willamette Valley, but so many people forget much of that fruit for many, many years that has been produced in the Willamette Valley has come out of Southern Oregon. And so uh, we grow a lot of grapes down here. Finally, we're able to put our name and our stamp on our, on our own winemaking here. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, it's interesting to see uh, we've made so many friends on these uh, trips through the wine trails of Oregon, as I like to call it. And, you know, I think of uh, our friend Dyson Demera at Hillcrest has been such an ambassador uh, for Umpqua, of course, Abacella. You've got two, I mean, really great wineries there that have become the flagships for the Umpqua region, right? They certainly have. And, I mean, when you look at um, so much of that industry has been built on the backbone of um, – Hilda and Earl Jones at Abacella and, uh, and a, such a fun story of hearing them moving out to Oregon and, uh, and putting grapes in the ground and, and really starting to see this unique business opportunity that now grows out of there. And, um, and that, that's the whole history and the foundation of what the Oregon wine industry is. It's just some, um, you know, you can compare it to the Oregon trail that we just had some, some people that early on that were just uh, out on the frontier and building this interesting industry and look today, of all the hard work, um, we have quite a destination now for wine and that people are coming to this region for some great wine. And still today, you walk in the tasting room and there will be Earl Jones pouring you a glass of wine. And that's a very unique experience. I think people discount that, that they don't realize you're actually talking to the winemaker. You're actually talking to the person who had a vision 35 years ago. And uh, that's what makes Oregon unique as well as Southern Oregon. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you uh, you have a totally different experience there because you're in the state of Oregon, but you feel like you're in Europe. It is a completely different setting that we're used to in the Willamette Valley. And for those of you just joining us across the region and around the world on our podcast, this is Vintage. I'm Brian Bushlack, your host this weekend, as we're in Southern Oregon with the Executive uh, Director of Travel Southern Oregon, Brad Neva. And Brad, uh, you know, I think one of the things we want to point out here is that another thing that makes Southern Oregon unique is so many of the wine centers on the West Coast, you know, and you're in Napa Valley, you're near San Francisco, of course, the Willamette Valley, you're near Portland. And for the most part, the Washington industry, uh, you know, is centered around Woodenville and the tasting rooms outside Seattle. What's different about Southern Oregon is this is destination wine country. And when you're in Southern Oregon, you truly can get away, right? You're so right. I'm glad, Brian, that you point that out because, um, why has Southern Oregon not been on, on the main, um, as popular as maybe people know, um, because we don't have those large destination bases. So we do have to work a little harder to let people know what our, what our fruit is and what our wine is. But at the same time, uh, we are selling a different atmosphere and a different experience. And so it's really when you come out to wine country in Southern Oregon, you're really kind of leaving the city behind. You're really embracing the, the culture, the people, and this great wine. And at the same time, we've had this amazing culinary scene. I mean, just like beautiful little towns such as Jacksonville and, of course, Ashland. And you can really kind of tie in a wonderful experience throughout a weekend where you could do three or four wineries in a day and then finish your evening um, at an Oregon Shakespeare Festival or at the beautiful Brit Festival in, in Jacksonville when our concert series starts up. So there's just so many things to do, um, let alone go on a jet boat trip or go zip lining or, um, you know, you name it. I mean, visit up to Crater Lake. There's so many people that live in Oregon who uh, actually have never been to our only national monument. And, uh, and that would be um, Crater Lake National Park. Excuse me, our only national park, not our monument, but is, is Crater Lake. 
You're right about that. And you know what's interesting is uh, traveling the West Coast with the traffic we now experience on the east side of Seattle out in Woodenville, no doubt about it. Portland's in that mix as well, out to Dundee. Uh, it can be a bit of a challenge to get around wine country. And you look at Southern Oregon, there's no excuse for anybody in Seattle or Portland about getting to Southern Oregon. Our friends at Alaska Airlines with multiple daily nonstops. It's only about an hour and 15-minute flight from Seattle. It's 45 minutes from Portland. You're into Medford. You can pick up a rental car and be out in wine country literally from the time you land about 30 minutes later. So it's very convenient, isn't it? Oh my goodness! It it is. I, I keep joking. We should open a tasting room in the wine in the in the airport, but because <laughs> our wineries are so close, there's there's no need to do that. I don't know if the FAA would approve of that either. Probably, probably it not. Is. But I, I like the idea, though. That's very entrepreneurial, though. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, when we come back after a quick break here, we're going to talk about wine. There's lots to talk about in Southern Oregon. As Brad mentioned, so many different varietals. When I was down for the Oregon Wine Experience kickoff just a couple of weeks ago, that was the hot topic there was the amount of Pinot Noir that's being grown across Southern Oregon. The vintners, the varietals, it is so diverse there, literally Any kind of varietal you can imagine can be grown in Southern Oregon. There's some interesting stories to share and much more as Oregon Wine Month continues across the region. A friendly reminder, OregonWineMonth.org is your resource throughout the month of May. Of course, Memorial Day weekend is the big weekend across the state when all the wineries open up their tasting room. But Oregon Wine Month continues throughout the month of May Lots of great things going on, and we'll be back with more from Southern Oregon. Brad Neva, the Executive Director of Travel Southern Oregon, with us, talking varietals and vintners when we come back on Vintage. Oregon Wine Month continues throughout May. Welcome back to Vintage on the Radio Northwest Network and podcasting worldwide. I'm Brian Bushlack. This weekend, we come to you from Southern Oregon. It's always sunny down here, especially in the winter. We come down from Portland and Seattle for quick weekend getaways. And glad you could join us this weekend, wherever you may be across the region or across the country, as we focus on Southern Oregon with Brad Neva, the Executive Director of Travel Southern Oregon. And Brad, we touched on this a little bit in our last segment, but I want to pick up where we left off, talking vineyards and varietals in Southern Oregon. And because it's warmer, there's more sunshine, uh, and the terrain, there are so many varietals. In fact, when I was at the Oregon Wine Experience kickoff a couple of weeks ago, the vintners are saying, hey, look, there's, there's really nothing we can't grow here in Southern Oregon, right? That is so true. And I think that's what's made us very unique. And it's it's an interesting branding project that we're working on because where we look at the Willamette Valley, you know, we, of course, hang our hat on the Pinot. Uh, great. But, um, you know, when you come down to Southern Oregon, we have so many different varietals. And that really talks about our climate. And as you mentioned, I mean, it's so sunny and beautiful and warm down here that we have a great growing season. We also just have this very interesting um, landscape that ends up making these very unique microclimates. So you're driving through one valley to the next to the next. And so we can grow different grapes depending on you know where we're at. So we grow a little over 72 different varietals down here. And so often as we're talking to our wine visitor, they are actually tasting wine that they probably have never had before. And so probably the one right now that we're having the most fun with is the Neo grape. And that has just been a great um, 
opportunity to have a have a wine that a lot of people have not had and as they taste it they're like this is amazing so um that is just one of many of our of our our varietals that southern oregon can can hang their hat on yeah that's what was uh, really the takeaway is that yeah, we talked about Pinot Noir, no doubt. I mean, there's uh, that is the flagship and always will be from the state of Oregon. We're hearing a lot about Chardonnay, but what uh, you know, Earl Jones and so many other great winemakers, Herb Quaddy comes to mind. He's become a rock star from Southern Oregon. Is you know really highlighting these varietals that a lot of people, quite honestly, even wine geeks may not have heard of, or even if they've heard of these varietals, uh, they haven't had a chance to to try them. And that's what really you have in Southern Oregon is an an eye-opening, a taste bud-opening experience with some of these wines, right? So true. And people are just like, we're growing this in Oregon? Like, it's almost a, a we almost have a palate deafness that, that um, people just are so used to a particular taste. And all of a sudden, they start drinking things that we're making down here, and they're just blown away. They're like, this is fantastic. I find myself, I'm in Portland almost every other week just with my job and working with tourism. And literally, next week as I head up to Portland, I will have a case of Southern Oregon wine because I'm just becoming the uh, the wine ambassador a little bit. But dropping off bottles of wine to people because they're like, this is fantastic. Now, they're actually calling me going, hey, can you bring me this? So it's been uh, it's a good problem. But um, it is great that we have a product that so many people want. And at the same time it's just new and people are excited about that and um, that goes hand in hand with this industry goes great with our tourism and uh, it's just really kind of putting southern Oregon on the map as a great destination this is vintage on the radio northwest network and podcasting throughout the state and across America I'm Brian Bushlack glad you could join us as we celebrate Oregon Wine Month with uh, Brad Neva who's the executive director of Travel Southern Oregon and I think what I would encourage our listeners to do Uh, across the Seattle, Bellevue Market, Portland, Vancouver, uh, wherever you may be listening to this is to really, you know, set aside a three-day trip at a minimum uh, to Southern Oregon. If you want to incorporate uh, the Umpqua, maybe add an extra day or two as well because uh, there's a little bit of travel time there. But uh, what I would encourage our listeners to do is to maybe revisit varietals that they may have tried in the past and Maybe didn't like, quite frankly. And for for me, one of those is Viognier, where uh, my first experience, let's just put it this way, was not a good experience with Viognier. And then I tried a Southern Oregon uh, Viognier, and I'm like, wow, this is... This is amazing, and I think it was Herb Quaddy who introduced me or reintroduced me to that varietal. So there are so many opportunities to try these varietals from Oregon that maybe you heard of or tried before and didn't like, and now they're doing it right, right? They certainly are. I just had experience just the other day. We have a great winery, kind of an urban winery. It's called Urban Cork in downtown Medford, and a great winemaker there named Linda Donovan. And just getting a chance to talk to Linda, who makes wine for about eight different wineries, and just how her interpretation, just like Herb, that they just, their palate is different, the way they make wines different. And quickly in that experience with, I just, just those two people alone, but I'd say anywhere you visit in our wineries uh, in our region that the a very good tasting room person can actually start kind of hearing what you're looking for and start suggesting something new. And all of a sudden your mouth just goes, wow, that is good. I'd never thought. So just like you experienced, you just, uh, don't uh, don't go into things blind with uh, preconceptions of what they might be. But Southern Oregon is is making some great wine, and we're just so proud to uh, offer it to everyone. 
Brad Neva, Executive Director of Travel Southern Oregon, joining us. You know, Brad, it's interesting because yeah, we, we really can't cover all of Southern Oregon, let's be honest, in, in these segments. Uh, we're touching on, you know, kind of hopscotching around different areas that come to mind and that are highlights, if you will. Uh, of course, you know, OregonWineMonth.org, OregonWine.org, a couple of great resources. Um, your team, a great resource as well. Uh, one of the places that I really enjoyed is the Applegate Valley. You touched on this earlier. I just felt like, uh, you know, you're even a, a native Oregonian, being in the Applegate, I felt like I was in another world. I mean, it really is a special place, isn't it? It really is, and, and it's kind of funny. We didn't we didn't name it this, but thank goodness the fine folks at Sunset Magazine did, and they just said, they called it, you know, what wine country should be, and that it feels like wine country, and that as you drive down through there, you'll be passing alfalfa fields and a farmer out working, but at the same time, you just come into these fantastic little valleys where you see grapes growing up the mountainside, uh, and and it's just been a really neat little place that uh, I think finally people are really seeing and understanding. All the wineries are fairly small. They're very unique. They're intimate experiences. Uh, you know, there might be five people in the tasting room. There might be 20, but um, they all do a very good job in, in welcoming and uh, making sure that you get a great experience there. I think a lot of people also um, are shocked by our, our tasting fees. Our tasting fees are very affordable. Uh, in most cases, you know, your tasting fee will be comped. Um, but in some cases, you know, um, you'll, you'll spend five, maybe eight dollars for a tasting fee compared to if you were to go down to Napa and Sonoma where people are paying you know 20 to 30 dollars so we're still just this kind of undiscovered very affordable very unique um place to visit and I think one of the things that I've just enjoyed the most is is when I am visiting that I'm watching people walk out of the wineries with a with a case of wine uh which is just a great great thing to see at the same time let alone everything that we're shipping out um, back to people's home states and so uh that's not a problem at all and of course our partnership with Alaska Airlines and that our wines fly free is just a great promotion and really is encouraging uh people to come to Oregon buy wine and take it home with them our thanks to Brad Neva, the executive director of Travel Southern Oregon. When we come back, Liz Wan joins us as Vintage continues celebrating Oregon Wine Month. And crossing the bottom of the hour on our network stations on the Radio Northwest Network, up and down I-5, you are listening to Vintage on the Radio Northwest Network. I'm Brian Bushlack. As we continue our conversation this weekend from Southern Oregon in celebration of Oregon Wine Month, and to reset, if you're just joining us live now across the region, Oregon Wine Month continues throughout the month of May. Memorial Day weekend, of course, is the biggest weekend throughout the state. All of the tasting rooms are open. Things continue through the end of May. And to plan your trip, as always, OregonWineMonth.org is a tremendous resource. And joining us now from Southern Oregon, Liz Wan, who's the assistant winemaker at Sarah Vineyards and proprietor of Vinoverse Consultants. And Liz, great to finally catch up with you. You've been in the Southern Oregon region now for a decade, which makes you officially an Oregonian, in particular, a Southern Oregonian now. So you know this region as well as anyone, don't you? I really would like to say that I do. And I got to tell you, I don't think there's many people that love it more than I. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you love most? 
You know, the thing about Southern Oregon that really, for me, is so unique to um, the wine world, so to speak, um, hence the consulting firm being named Vinoverse, I love all of the wines throughout the globe, um, is just the fact that we have this unexplicable way of making people feel like they're at home. And wine tends to be so very intimidating for so many, especially those that haven't grown up with it or are just getting into it now. Um, I find that our tasting rooms welcome people in a way that I have not seen in any other region in the world. That's interesting because you've traveled all over. Why do you think that is? I think a lot of it has to do with the Southern Oregon spirit. You know what I mean? Um, Honestly, Brian, it's one of those things where we just don't typically seem to march to the beat of the same drum as many other people. I mean, I think that really explains the fact that we grow over 70 different grape varieties really well. I mean, you have to think about it, Brian. At that point in time, being that we do grow that many grape varieties, there was some wine grape grower or wine producer somewhere along the line that looked at himself in the mirror and said, you know what? Those 40 other varieties that people grow, they're cool, but I want to try this one. And I feel like that spirit is a very unique, very unique spirit to Southern Oregon. I would agree with you. And uh, being a native Oregonian and spending a lot of time over the years in Southern Oregon, uh, you know, it's its its own unique region. I think in large part, just geographically, you're hemmed in by mountains, you've got valleys. So it's uh, geographically, you know, it's kind of got a little bit of a fence up, and that allows, I think, for some distinction, uh, maybe up against what others are doing, right? Absolutely. And not just distinction in one right, but distinction in hundreds, if not thousands of rights, right? Um, I think you nailed it on the head when you talked about the, the wall of mountains that we have that are literally shaped in an arrow pointing towards the southern Oregon coast with the Cascades and the Siskiyous. I mean, Mother Nature wanted Southern Oregon to just be amazing. Um, She gave us those mountain ranges, which basically push much of the wet and cold weather either to the south or north of us, giving this banana belt um, region to grow wine grapes in that the vines absolutely love. But in addition to that, she shifted tectonic plates to give us so many different soil types and so many different elevations and microclimates with which to grow 70 different varieties. So it is truly the the most immense rainbow spectrum of flavor you could possibly get in a fairly small area. This is Vintage on the Radio Northwest Network and podcasting worldwide. I'm Brian Bushlack. Glad you could join us along with Liz Wan, the assistant winemaker at Sarah Vineyards. She's also the proprietor at Vinoverse Consultants. And Liz, I got to ask you, I know people are wondering uh, if you've traveled all over the world, romantic, faraway places in Europe and other wine regions around the world. What was it about Southern Oregon that made you say, this is where I'm going to, you know, this is where I'm going to call home. Why did you do that? Well, honestly, I'm going to actually use the words of Chang Ray Lee, a beautiful food and wine writer for Food and Wine magazine. And she said it best when she said, Oregon seemed inhabited by folks who often were of a stubbornly independent and even renegade character, never quite convinced of the perceived wisdoms and blessings of the wider world, all remaining in or coming to Oregon to seek or pursue some insistent, uncontrollable, and potentially soul-wrecking passion. Everywhere you go down here, Brian, you see that in everything we produce. And I honestly think that it creates a really unique 
very special craft and a level of flavor and intensity laced by passion talked through with the person who actually created it. Where else in the world can you find that? I would agree. In Oregon, being a native, you know, you have to admit uh, it certainly is a unique place and people do what they do. And in many cases, they do it better than anybody else in the world. There's so many great things that have come out of the state. And I want to talk about this last decade in Southern Oregon. You've been there, so have I. So many trips to Southern Oregon. Let's face it, and let's admit, the, the wine has come a long way in the last decade. Now, so many award-winning wineries and varietals coming out of Southern Oregon. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? It absolutely is. As a matter of fact, there's a statistic that I love, Brian, that talks about how Oregon produces 1% of the uh, wines in the nation, yet we take 20% of 90-plus point scores in the nation. That's great numbers to talk about what this industry does for all of us. Boy, that's a great statistic. You pulled that one out of your back pocket for me. <laughs> I had no idea. That is that is pretty impressive in, in Southern Oregon all by itself with so many different varietals. And, you know, we want to talk about that because, really, that's where I've experienced varietals that, you know, honestly, even if you're a wine geek, you know, you'll have a winemaker pull something out. You know, Herb Quaddy will go to the go to the rack and say, hey, have you tried this? And it's, you know, fill-in-the-blank <laughs> varietal. And you're like, no, I've never heard of that, right? I mean, it's pretty cool, right? It absolutely is. Well, and beyond that, you know, especially for, for people who are touring and traveling, as we see more and more these days, with the specific intent of learning, not just about wines, but about the world of wines, and specifically what within that world appeals to their own palate, they can drop into this place. And unlike other regions that are focused on a handful of varieties, they can taste so much to realize that maybe they're that person that loves Baco Noir but that Cabernet Sauvignon maybe doesn't speak to them. You know, and unless we get people out of these paradigms where they're limited to the ABCs of the world, um, you know what I mean, in, in the wine grape sector, they're never going to understand the difference between Grenache and Tempranillo. You know, they're never going to realize that Cabernet Franc truly isn't a French wine grape. <laughs> you know, these things that as they come through and they talk to these um, amazing winemakers, you know, 80% of uh, Southern Oregon producers are less than a 2,000 case production. I want to say 80% in the state is less than 5,000 cases. I mean, these are producers that have their hands sticky and dirty and their faces in bungholes year round. Nobody's going to better explain or help somebody find what they're looking for than those that craft it. And those that craft a lot of different styles of it. And that's kind of, I think, one of the neatest things about visiting Southern Oregon is, is that you're going to get a little bit more of that one-on-one -on -one interaction to help figure out what your palate is about and then apply it to what we produce. Liz Wan is the assistant winemaker at Sarah Vineyards and proprietor of Vinoverse Consultants. Time for a pop quiz, Liz. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay. it's you'll You'll be fine. Don't worry. But I love pop quizzes. Okay, tell us what you're drinking right now and maybe something that our audience hasn't heard of. Enlighten us. I um, am really spending a lot of time right now exploring sparkling pinotages. Um, this is a, a fairly new thing in my world. Of course, uh, pinotage is a a grape grown uh, commonly in South Africa, not so much in the uh, North American wine regions. Um, and I've had a fair amount of still versions, usually red, 
um, a couple of rosés, lovely, earthy, gamey, a lot of stone red fruit and cooked plums and such. Um, a lot of richness and earth to the palate. Uh, and then I came across a, a good friend of mine gifted me a uh, sparkling pinotage. And it took me to a whole other world of where that great variety can go. Um, and so I'm geeking out on that a little bit. And there's a, a few more uh, producers that are now looking uh, at producing those. So I've definitely been reaching out to my friends in South Africa because, of course, much of those wines don't ever get imported into the United States. I love it. That's where I learned about it was one of my South African friends. And now you can uh, check that out in sunny southern Oregon. As Oregon Wine Month continues across the region, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation in southern Oregon with Liz Wan. We'll talk about the many activities and what makes Southern Oregon so unique beyond its wines. That and much more as Oregon Wine Month continues. After a break, you are listening to Vintage. And approaching the top of the hour now on our network stations on the Radio Northwest Network, up and down I-5 on the West Coast and worldwide on our podcast. Glad you could join us for this special edition of Vintage. I'm Brian Bushlack, and we're in Southern Oregon this weekend as we celebrate Oregon Wine Month throughout the month of May. And what a great resource OregonWineMonth.org is. Uh, to plan your trip. Joined by Liz Wan, the assistant winemaker at Sarah Vineyards. She's also the proprietor of Vinoverse Consultants. And we talked so much about varietals and vineyards and wines in our last segment. But I think what makes Southern Oregon so unique, Liz, is there are so many other things to do. I mean, it really is uh, this destination wine country like no other. Absolutely. And, and that's really the, the fun of Southern Oregon is, is, is that whether you're coming by yourself, you're looking for a romantic getaway, or you're packing the whole family, or in the case of, you know, what trip that I'm planning on doing later this summer, I'm meeting my sister's uh, new in-laws for the first time. You know, and it, this is just a wonderful place to be able to offer everybody, no matter who you're bringing, a little something of enjoyment that they can take home with them and make them want to come back. <laughs> No doubt about it. I mean, uh, you know, Chamber of Commerce segment here, but uh, really so many things to do. And I mentioned this in our, our last half hour with Brad Neva, the executive director of Travel Southern Oregon, who I know you know so well and appreciate everything he's doing to promote Southern Oregon and Southern Oregon wine. But, uh, you know, what I like about living in a major metropolitan area, and I said there's no excuse anymore if you live in Seattle or Bellevue, Portland, Vancouver, the Bay Area, Alaska Airlines with nonstop flights several times a day to Southern Oregon. It's an hour and 15 minute flight from Seattle, about 45 minutes from Portland. I mean, even a day trip is easy, but obviously we'd love you to spend more time there. But let's just say this, from the time you land to the time you're in a tasting room, at most 30 minutes, right? I mean, very accessible and easy to navigate Southern Oregon. Absolutely. And not only that, you know, uh, some of these uh, airlines, especially Alaska Airlines, has this wonderful program called Wines Fly Free. And uh, if you are part of that program, they will actually let you check an entire case of wine for free, um, which, depending on where you're at, is up to a 40 to $80 value right off the top of your ticket price. 
Um, so yeah, there's absolutely no excuse. And it's a wonderful way to just get out of the city for a weekend or for a few days or a week, if you can spare it. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, in terms of the activities there, we all hear about, you know, fly fishing on the Rogue and you've got Crater Lake National Park. What about an hour, hour and a half away from the Medford airport on a leisurely drive, what else is there in Southern Oregon? I know, you know, I know the answer to this question, but I want you to answer it for us because beyond those two headline activities, there's so many other places to visit and the restaurant scene has really exploded, particularly in the past three or four years, hasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, across the Valley, we have such amazing chefs um, that are doing a really amazing concept, everything from, you know, stand uh, brick and mortar uh, restaurants to food carts. Um, of course, uh, two, uh, I want to say actually six of the past top 15, um, if not more, uh, Oregon top chefs all operate out of Southern Oregon. Um, you know, we've got amazing theater. We've got amazing history. You know, most people don't realize this, but Southern Oregon is the oldest wine grape growing and wine grape producing region in this state, especially when you consider our pre-prohibition efforts uh, with Peter Britt and such. But there's zip lines, there's amazing golf courses. Um, as you mentioned, the fishing uh, out of this world. There's wildlife parks with giraffes and elephants and big cats and great bike trails. And if you like to ride motorcycles, we've got the most scenic mountain rides for you. Um, and Or if you've got a nice sports car, most scenic uh, drives for you. The jet boats, um, the Oregon coast, um, amazing hiking, some of the best campgrounds you'll see on the West Coast. Um, of course, rafting and all of the other things that you can do on the river as well. But just a lot of um, really fun things to be able to change it up every day. You know, if you're into um, craft brews, there's a ton of small craft breweries. Immortal Spirits is one of the best distilleries in the state and keeps cleaning house and um, all sorts of uh, awards. Caldera just opened a pub house. It has this white truffle mac and cheese that will melt your face off. Um, there's just so much, Brian. I could go on and on and on forever, for sure. Oh, don't you dare forget the Rogue Creamery. Oh, my goodness. David Gremmels would <laughs> slap me up the face if I did, or my friend Tom Van Voorhees. Uh, uh, one of Oregon's, by the way, only fromagers in the state. So um, a lot of brain trust here and a lot of people that are passionate about what they do that would love to share it with you. Our thanks to Liz Wan, the assistant winemaker at Sarah Vineyards and the proprietor of Vinoverse Consultants. Great insight on Southern Oregon. As Oregon Wine Month continues throughout the month, we'll talk to you again next weekend right here. 